Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, right here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Get at me at Rich Valdez on the social media. I want to hear your thoughts. But Joe Biden is BSing yet again, not only on the infrastructure stuff, but they're back to lying about this election stuff. Now, I don't mean what they like to call the big lie, stealing a term from Hitler. I'm talking about how they're saying now that the Georgia voting law that actually expanded voting times and made it more difficult to cheat but easier to vote legally is somehow racist. Of course, that's their mantra all the time. It's wrong. It's illegal. It it prevents people of color or BIPOC, again, not to be confused with Tupac, black indigenous people of color, from being able to vote. And Merrick Garland is out there saying that this is the case, that they are going after the state of Georgia because they feel that this is somehow infringing on people's right to vote, in particular people of color. Now, I got to say, I think the whole thing is stupid, and you've probably heard the Merrick Garland audio by now. But what I want you to hear is a a response that I think is incredibly uh, articulate, and it, it hits the mark each and every time. Because, you know, first they said, oh, this is the new Jim Crow. Then they said, well, you can't give a, a little viejita, a nice little old lady, you can't give her a bottle of water. Your grandma, you can't give your abuela a bottle of water if she's waiting online, which is a straight up lie. They just said you couldn't give people a bottle of water if you were working for a campaign. Very different from you bringing your own water or giving one to a friend of yours. You just can't do it on behalf of a campaign as kind of like a bribe type of thing. But that's where they're at. So Merrick Garland is now bringing suit and they're continuing this onslaught in the media. Blah, 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 blah. So Danielle Pletka, she's a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. She was on Meet the Press and she decided to call out the lies on this voting lawsuit. Check this out. I mean, there are a whole bunch of issues at play here. Uh, you know, I don't think that the Republican Party, whether at the state level or at the federal level, wants to be known as the party of voter suppression any more than I think the Democratic Party wants to be known as the party of voter fraud. But the challenge here is that because of COVID, there were a lot of changes on a state-by-state level. It is confusing to me, and I think to a lot of people, that when states seek to adjust based on some of those changes, for example, drop boxes. Okay, Georgia never had drop boxes before. Now, drop boxes are in law. This is the law that Merrick Garland was just talking about. You know, there are going to be problems if at the federal level they decide that they only need to go after Republican states, that they need to go after Republican-run states for laws that mirror, for example, 
things that exist in Delaware or New York or Connecticut or New Hampshire. And I think the other challenge is that uh, I, I, I think it's hard to argue that we are in an existential crisis. How many people voted in the last election? Right. More than ever before, we have unbelievable voter engagement. So again, there are reasonable arguments to be had here, but I'm not sure that those are the ones that are going on. I understand. I think it's important we separate out the big lie part of this because uh, for, for Donald, hang on a second, hang on a second. I, first of all, I can. Um, there may be people who can't. There may be legislatures that don't want to. I agree with you about Arizona, and I think that this this transparent attempt to to replace someone they don't like is is wrong. On the other hand, I think there. Are, I think that part of the argument that we're making about places like Georgia is 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 unjust. You know. They, allow, they are allowing Sunday voting. They've expanded access. So, and the very hero against Trump, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, is now a, a villain. I don't get Two Republicans. No, no, he's a villain also in this Georgia voting rights but, question. So there you go. You're hearing the debate, but she made it incredibly clear. It was incredibly succinct. We can't use the law to politicize things. But what I want to know is where is the media in uproar? Because they said that uh, Bill Barr was doing this and he was doing that all in the name of politics. And we know Bill Barr came out of his face over the weekend saying that, you know, he thought that the defense that Trump had mounted was a clown show and it was BS and this and that in no uncertain terms. Now, like I said on Newsmax when I commented on this, and if you want to see the clip, it's on my social media at Rich Valdez with an S. But what I told the panel there was basically what I'm going to tell you right now. Bill Barr did everything by the book up until he decided he was going to bow out gracefully, that he wanted his second stint at being attorney general of the United States to land on a positive note, not one that was mired in controversy. So he said, look, we didn't find any evidence of widespread fraud. And I think, you know what? He didn't look for any widespread fraud. They looked for any instance that they could find that was kind of a low hanging fruit and said, oh, yeah, no, that's not that. That's not this. And that's not that. The, the question here is there was so much unconstitutionality that was involved in this, not necessarily fraud. People weren't trying to get rich off the election. Uh, some of them may have been deceptive. But I think a lot of this stuff stemmed from people circumventing the constitutional way to do things, right? So making these voting laws weaker by these lawsuits that they filed, by Facebook's uh, involvement with these ground level grassroots organizations that were out there organizing. I mean, this was clearly election interference. And I'm not saying that election interference is somehow illegal in every instance. Clearly, they didn't get prosecuted for anything. But we have to call a spade a spade, right? And if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. So we know that these things happened in Pennsylvania and that they weren't jibing with the Constitution. And the court refused to take that because it was sloppy and just like Barr, just like the Washington way. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to be involved in that. This is a problem. This is, to me, the problem that we have. That's why Trump was successful, because he was able to call things out. That's why so many candidates right now that are shining, look at uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, Tom Cotton, all of these guys, not only I think are they you know, um, posturing for a future presidential run, but I think they've realized that you don't win here by constantly defending yourself, always being on defense, going back at whatever it is that the Democrats say you that you did. But it's kind of going at them saying, no, 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 it's not what I'm doing. It's what you're doing and calling them out because we have to do those things. 
Now, the other thing that they brought up was uh, Brad Raffensperger making him out to be some sort of fourth member of the Trinity as some sort of holy Republican that spoke out against Trump. There's plenty of these people. There's people on both sides of the coin within the party. I'm not saying they're both good and bad or this and that. I'm just saying there are people that agree. In the last podcast, we talked about the glass on the table. Some see it as half full, others see it as half empty. I don't think either of them are wrong. I mean, my personal opinion may be that they're wrong, but we can't say definitively that they're wrong because who's to say that I'm right? And that, that's where we live, right? Now, I think those who know, know right from wrong. And I think there's a lot of people that think they know what's right, but they're wrong. <laughs> Bottom line here is we're going to have arguments uh, all the time, and that's why we need the courts to get involved. But some action that's happening in Arizona, Maricopa County is now replacing all of their voting machines after the audit that was uh, conducted by the um, Republican members of the Senate. And authorities there are now announcing that they're replacing every single voting machine following the Senate-ordered audit of the 2020 election. I think that's some pretty good news. Uh, Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, this is in the Epic Times, says the county shares her concerns that the integrity and security of the Dominion voting system machines and ballots might have been compromised during the audit. Uh Uh-oh. Here's a quote. Accordingly, I write to notify you that Maricopa County will not use the subpoenaed election equipment in any future election, said the letter dated Monday in a news release and pledged that they will never use the equipment that could pose any type of risk to free and fair elections, thus admitting that those machines could do that. Hobbs, as a Democrat, had written to the county in May saying that she had grave concerns regarding the security and integrity of these machines, given the chain of custody, a critical security tenant had been compromised and election officials do not know what was done to the machines while under the control of what she called Cyber Ninjas. Cyber Ninjas is the Florida-based technology firm that helped with the audit, which was authorized earlier this year by the Republican-controlled Senate. So now I guess the Democrats are saying that Republicans hacked it and that's it, the machines are out. How convenient. Like I said, it's always, here's what you did, here's what you did, here's what you did. Never ever what I did because I'm a Democrat and I can never do any wrong. Uh, the quote goes on, if their experts can't prove the machines have not been tampered with, she asked, then how does the Secretary of State's office certify the machines before every audit and make sure the machines haven't been tampered with? Ooh, gotcha. Then she says, well, uh, we asked numerous times for this audit to be performed jointly with Maricopa County at their facility, selecting a mutual auditor and did not want the ballots or machines moved from their facilities, Ms. Fan uh, contended, referring to the legal tug of war that's been going on between the state Senate and Maricopa County executives. Several Republicans praised the move to do away with the machines, but not for the reasons offered by Hobbs or the Democrat county officials, saying, no more machines, Republican Senator Wendy Rogers put on Twitter, alleging in another tweet that the machines are easily compromised. Go back to the old way. She also wrote in a concurring tweet issued by Republican Senator Kelly Townsend. So that continues to go back and forth. They're fighting the good fight. And that's part of what we have to do. We have to, and it's not about election fraud or election integrity and while that matters, to me, it's just about always fighting for what you believe is right. And even if the other side thinks they're right, we have to get out there and air our grievances and put it out there. Because if we don't, then the other side automatically assumes victory. And we've kind of abdicated our responsibility to do what is actually right, to do what actually matters. And if there's one thing that we have in our favor right now, it's Joe El Baboso Biden, right? He goes out there and he says all of these babosadas, he's always uh, dribbling and and, and drooling over himself and just stumbling over his words. He doesn't know if he's coming or going. So I think that's why we have to hit him, especially in a time where I think people on both sides of the aisle realize that unless you're like an extreme leftist or a very zealous uh, Democrat, it's pretty clear to most people 
that are fair-minded, that there's a lot of censorship out there. And that's why I think now is the time you got to strike while the iron's hot. I'm looking at a story in the New York Post, Miss New Jersey competitor. I had promised you this last week, so it's a little old, but a great story. Miss New Jersey competitor blasts, quote, Orwellian campus censorship and fiery speech. So the New Jersey pageant queen speaks out on free speech issues. And she says on stage at the competition where she railed against, quote, an epidemic of censorship and entitlement that's taking over school campuses, claiming that the words I'm offended, quote unquote, are being used to silence students and fire professors. Beauty queen Justine Murray delivered the fiery speech blasting censorship last week during the pageant at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City, saying, quote, our generation is experiencing an epidemic of censorship and entitlement, and it's because of our professors and our celebrities that are teaching students to be narcissists, to believe that any of you that differs with their own is some sort of ex- existential threat. She said in a video that was posted to Twitter um, for the competition, quote goes on saying, and this is what I experienced on my own campus with censorship to the point where people believe that speech is violence and so that they can threaten other people with violence simply because they disagree with them. So to me, this is one of those things where you, you've got to give this girl kudos because she's putting herself out there. It's clearly not a popular position to take if you're a beauty queen uh, in New Jersey, right? Of all places, Blue Jersey, they love everything liberal. To have a conservative or even a free-thinking, independent-minded um, type of opinion that says that there's censorship on a college campus is not going to score her any brownie points with the lefties in New Jersey. But she's right. And it goes right back to what they were saying on Meet the Press, how if you don't agree, you're somehow wrong and they will try and censor you to the point where we're not even including people that can make a coherent argument. Why do you think they don't ever invite me on MSNBC or CNN? Because sometimes I'm willing to stand up for what I think is right. And they rarely want that. Once and only once, I think Morning Joe said, oh, yeah, we'll take him. And then they were like, oh, we're booked. We can't do it. (laughs) So whatever. I mean, if there's anybody that loves being on TV more than me, raise your hand. All right. Nobody raise their hand. I love to go on these shows and I would love to go on with these lefties, but it doesn't happen. And maybe it will in the future. Who knows? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I used to be able to regularly go on Univision in Spanish and give the Republican perspective and usually, you know, debate the ideas against the Democrat. And that came to an end um, during the Bush years. I mean, so it hasn't happened in forever and a day. I hope that that'll change, and not just for me and for the sake of you know me you know um, listening to the sound of my own voice, which I really enjoy, and I hope you do too, but more so because I think we need to have that conversation. People lie, and they like to put out, to me, the big lie, and I don't mean to steal that page from Goebbels and from Hitler, but one of the biggest lies that people uh, perpetuate is that it's not okay to talk about politics and religion, and I think that's a farce. Those are the two things that probably matter most to most people. And they control so much of how we live our lives in society. So I think, you know, somebody telling you to not talk about the most important things that really control how people process ideas and decisions in their own lives is probably a bad idea. But what are you going to do? Now, speaking of Jersey and Queens and it being summertime, I want to talk about Queens a little bit. I want to talk about AOC, but we're going to do that in a second. But first, I want to give a happy birthday shout out to my homegirl, Angelina, Angelina Pavarnik, uh, now I think 
Angelina Laranjera. I hope I said that right. Happy birthday to her, old homegirl from back in the day. She's been to a bunch of my uh, red carpet parties, always uh, represented for Jersey during Hurricane Sandy and all of that. So happy birthday to you. And, you know, I, was, I, I saw a tweet that she put out about the Jersey Shore uh, family vacation season that's currently uh, on right now in June. And I thought to myself, how cool would it be if there was like a Jersey Shore type of show that was political in nature that maybe followed a campaign around or something like that. And, you know, you get to see the politicos kind of going at it at, you know, at the cigar lounge or something and getting into arguments. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to put the the idea in the air and see what happens. But anyway, keep it locked right there. When we come back, we're going to talk about AOC, all out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from Queens. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primal número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And I'm at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Those of you who have uh, gone to my social media pages and uh, clicked on the link with me wearing the T-shirt that says Rich Valdez and have bought one. Kudos to you. Thanks for that. And for those of you who haven't, you should. It's summer. The Rich Valdez shirt is dope. And you can also get the red one that says Liberty Loving Latino Amigo. So check that out. But I want to talk about our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. That's right. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, All Out Crazy. Now, All Out Crazy was on, let's see what show this was, on a Zoom call last week. And she has the nerve, the audacity to say that when people are concerned over the recent spike in crime because of so many of her initiatives, things that she's championed, like decriminalizing crime, emptying out prisons, and defunding the police. Remember, abolish ICE? That's all her and her wing of the party. But now she has the nerve to say that this spike in crime is really just right-wing hysteria. Listen to this. But I agree with Representative Bowman um, that uh, I do believe that we need to re reallocate resources away and that a big, you know, major causes um, of this. And by the way, I also think it's it's important context because we hear on the news and media, they perpetuate this idea of crime wave, crime wave, crime wave. Right. And so this idea that a lot of us are panicked, thinking that we are at some unprecedented level that we've never seen before. Yet we've never seen it. Listen, we haven't seen it probably in your lifetime. I remember seeing it as a kid. And I think part of the problem here is that we're going backwards. The progressive ideas and values that you and uh, your communist sympathizing grandpa, Bernie Sanders, Bernard Sanders, healthcare is a right. Yep, that's right. Good old Bernie, the Bolshevik himself. You guys are hurting America. These are regressive. We're going back in time. Just ask any New Yorker, any skin color any whatever that knows what New York was like in the late 70s and the early 80s and has family that can uh, attest to it, they'll tell you it was the wild, wild west. And that's where we're headed. I mean, it's absolute insanity. I was looking at the New York Post yesterday. There's a, a video and an article from Curtis Sleba, who's running for mayor. And he's right there an hour after a guy walking with his family got shot right after an argument, probably over, you know, you bumped into me. Who knows? I didn't get all the details. Point was, it happened, I don't know, a thousand feet from the police precinct in Times Square. You would think there'd be more police in Times Square. The police have been handcuffed. That's the bottom line. Instead of putting handcuffs on the bad guys, they're putting handcuffs on the cops. And it's because of AOC. But 
Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. AOC, Joel Baboso Biden, Jen Pasirkelback Pasaki. She says, you know, this is really the Republicans' fault because Republicans like to say they like to back the blue and blah, 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 blah. But when it came time to uh, wasting taxpayer dollars frivolously and giving bailouts to blue states, they voted no. And because of that, well, because of that, we now have a problem. I want you to listen to this snippet of stupidity from Jen Pasirkelback Pasaki, Silent P, of course. Check this out. Something one of the advisors said this weekend, Cedric Richmond, he said, Republicans defunded the police by not supporting the American Rescue Plan. But how is it that that is an argument uh, to be made when the president never mentioned needing money for police to stop a crime wave when he was selling the American Rescue Plan? Well, the president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president, a lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill, could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat in communities across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. But at the time, that was sold as uh, these local police departments might have a pandemic-related budget shortfall, not we need to keep cops on the beat because there's a crime wave. Uh, I think that any local uh, department would argue that keeping cops on the beat to keep communities safe when they had to, because of budget shortfalls, fire police is is something that helped them address yeah. crime in their local communities. So local communities. The White House's argument was the American Rescue Plan is going to be $1,400 checks. It's going to be vaccines, vaccinators. Uh, we're, it's going to put us on the path to beating the virus. Not. It did those things as well. It was a pretty good bill and piece of legislation. <laughs> she's got no defense. She's got nowhere to go. She's circling back like a real Jen circle back Pasaki, silent P, because she got nowhere to go. Ducey's got her cornered, Peter Ducey, because he really, really nails it each and every time. He knows how to hold them to the fire without sounding snide like she does, without getting cynical. He just asks the obvious questions, and kudos to him. But that's her philosophy. So she's saying because, you know, guys like de Blasio and others that uh, rule over these big blue cities and have destroyed the budgets, have squandered the money, billions of dollars missing from the budget, shortfalls all over the place. Cuomo saying, oh, we got no money. I can't help you with this. I can't help you with that. Uh, so what do they do? They make a deal with Joe El Baboso Biden and Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. Now, all of a sudden, he gets all of these billions of dollars, and now he can do lots of things like giving $27,000 to illegal aliens or giving uh, $27,000 to anybody that can prove that they were in jail, incarcerated at the time they gave out the stimulus money the first time around. And all of that happened because they mismanaged their funds. And to somehow put that blame, saying because New York State couldn't balance its budget, and then they want to cry and say, we can't help the police. I got to tell you, look, your town has to take care of the police. New York City needs to fund the New York City Police Department. They can ask the state for money. They can ask the feds for money. But the bottom line is the city has to be self-sufficient, just like you in your house, just like you in your checkbook. But that's never the case because they know they can spend all of the money. And if they need more, they can just raise taxes and ask for more money and beg and scrimp for more change. And they do it each and every time. So when the Republicans 
grow a set and they say, oh, hell no, we are not going to sit here and allow you to get uh, extra money because you squandered the money you had to begin with. Jen Percircleback uh, Pasaki, excuse me, she turns around and circles back and says, well, that's the Republicans defunding the police. What? You've got to be dizzy to even suggest such a thing. Not that it's somehow immoral or something like that. It just is illogical, patently false. You screwed up. That was your bad. Then you asked for more money because you're not getting more money. Listen, it's never been the responsibility of the federal government to fund local police departments. Punto y final. Period. The end. That's it. To try and suggest otherwise just shows how disingenuous you are, both as a White House press person and, moreover, as the administration overall. Now, uh, Mark Levin had Tom Cotton on his show this week. I'm not going to use the audio, but there's something that they talked about that I thought was really interesting. And it was this same topic where they're discussing how violence in the country is through the roof. Murder, and not just murder, but you've got guns, crimes, all sorts of things happening. The president of the United States gives a speech and you can't even understand what the president's saying, but let alone it doesn't even address what's going on with all of the violence in the big cities in our country. He just totally ignores it. And Democrats, for more than a year now, are attacking the police, calling for their defunding, abolishing ICE, abolishing the police, discouraging them from doing their jobs well and vigorously, talking about getting rid of qualified immunity, which means that if you get in trouble or hurt or whatever while you're on the job, it's the city that has your back and covers your insurance and is liable, not you, the individual that's doing a job on behalf of the city just like a judge, just like a congressperson, who we never ask judges to give up their qualified immunity or congresspeople or any other elected official. But yet we want to do it to cops who do a job so dangerous that they have to wear a gun on their hip. And to top it off, some people are as crazy to say that because there have been instances where there are bad cops that maybe do a bad shoot or a good cop that does a bad shoot, which is very rare, that we should somehow take guns away from the cops. And it makes me think, you know, you have idiots in everything. You've got cops that may be crooked, you get cops that may be on the take, cops that may have substance abuse problems, whatever. But by and large, that's not the issue every day. Most cops do their job, they do it well, they do it effectively. Why would we suggest, if there's a drinking and driving scenario, why would anybody ever suggest You've been drinking and driving and hit somebody. We're going to take all cars away. It just makes no sense. Anyway, you keep it locked right there. Straight ahead. More to come. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. And one of the things that I love about, you know, being on the microphone live it's things like this. While I'm trying to stay right in front of the microphone, I am plugging in my computer to make sure I don't lose battery and connection and don't interrupt this program. So uh, cluing you in on a little bit of inside baseball. And again, going back to what I was talking about before, I really am intrigued by this idea. And I've been going over it with a few things because I'm thinking, just imagine what it would be like to be a fly on the wall, kind of like a behind the scenes view of what it's like to be in the talk radio business. You know, whether it's as a producer, as a host, as whatever, uh, I just look at some of the things I've done, right? Just going back a little bit before we jump into the topic. Uh, last weekend or the weekend before was Father's Day. 
And my Father's Day, I spent on a parade float. I think I shared that with you guys. But not only did I share it on a parade float, driving through Staten Island with uh, Curtis and helping Curtis Sliwa with his campaign for mayor on my off time, I also did it with my children in tow, right? My two teenage daughters were with me and they were out there, uh, um, you know, holding up uh, campaign signs for Curtis Sliwa. And I thought, how interesting, right? Most people probably wouldn't believe me if I told them that's how I spent my Sunday. And I'm thinking, there's a lot of people I know in this business that do a lot of things, Curtis being one of them. And not only Curtis, but I, even Mr. Jizzle, who's you know running the board over here, he has some very interesting times that you never get to hear about because you don't even know what he looks like, even though I, I, I can say he kind of looks like Jesus every now and again, but definitely not as righteous. But even if we did, imagine just a camera crew following around a lot of our friends in talk radio. I think that would be really, really interesting to see because, you know, for example, Mr. Jizzle was out in Utah and this up- upcoming weekend, he's going to be, I don't know, somewhere in the sun. And I thought to myself, man, I would love to see this type of, imagine like the reality show from Showtime, the circus meets like Jersey Shore, meets the Kardashians. I don't know if there's an appetite for that. Maybe it's just me being a political junkie and enjoying all of those shows. I don't know. But what I want to talk about now is what's going on in Washington. There's continued controversy with everything that we've been talking about and more. You've got Bernie Sanders now. He's saying, no, well, you know, with respect to infrastructure, it's okay because we can borrow money. We can, there's things that we can do to, to get past these things. I want you to listen to this, um, this audio clip from Bernie Sanders. Check this out. Talked about $6 trillion. Are you concerned about that amount of money, given the concerns about inflation right now, spending that much money in no, such actually, a short period of time? Actually, what we are talking about is paying for all of the ongoing programs that we're introducing, paying for those completely. And what we are not paying for is one-time infrastructure programs. And the reason that you should do that now is that interest rates are historically uh, are historically low right now. This is the moment where I think you're going to see mayors, governors, and, and Congress moving forward borrow the money to build infrastructure because of low interest rates. But we are going to pay for all of the new programs that are out there. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's funny. If I would trust Bernie Sanders, to to be honest, the problem is when have politicians ever paid? And this is honestly a criticism for both sides. When have they ever honestly ever paid for the programs that they're talking about? Right. When we had this pandemic relief of trillions upon trillions of dollars, I think we're up to six or seven trillion dollars in spending. How are they actually going to pay for it? They're not, right? They're spending money. Now, this is very different than when uh, somebody like AOC will come out and say, oh, well, how are we going to pay for a tax cut? So whether it's tax cuts or whatever schemes they want to talk about, and I'm not saying that tax cuts are a scheme. I'm saying that a tax cut's not something that you need to pay for. You're just collecting less tax revenues uh, or less in the tax rate, and you're going to expect more in tax revenues. And usually history has shown that you collect more in tax revenues, not less which is what I was trying to say. So I think Bernie Sanders just doesn't have a leg to stand on here, whether it's factually or or even philosophically, but this is the problem. Let's borrow, borrow, borrow. Everything is infrastructure. You know, Rich Valdez is wonderful head of hair. Well, that's infrastructure. So we have to fund that, right? Now, come on, get out of here. Bernie and his Bolshevik tactics, he needs to, to take them somewhere else where they're appreciated. They're not helping America. They're not helping you. They're not helping your family. They're definitely not helping anybody's pocket. But This is how they roll. He comes at it from one end trying to normalize why we should uh, spend more and borrow to do it. Then 
On top of all of that, then he brings in his sidekick. That's right, All Out Crazy herself, AOC. And she comes in and she says, well, you know what, what really is happening here is our policies are just so, so popular. And again, remember, the reason that we're a republic, not a pure democracy, is because we wanted to make sure that the mob would never rule, that the most popular ideas wouldn't win just because they're popular, but something that was actually rooted in the Constitution, which is why we have a Constitution and why we are a constitutional republic. But she comes in and now she brings it into how this is all about minorities. This is all about being popular. Let her say it because she says it a lot worse than I do. Check this out. Democratic policies are popular. And once they are enacted, they are very politically difficult to undo. And so, you know, I do not believe in the defeatism of saying we will lose in the future and uh, that and this will automatically uh, mean that anything we do now is going to be reversed. So we might as well not do anything now. Our job is to legislate. Our job is to help people. Our job is to do as much as we can. And even if that's the case, even if that is the case, wouldn't it be better to get people health care and voting rights for three years instead of zero years, even if even if you concede the point that I don't even think is true in the first place. And so beyond that, then the argument is, OK, why 60 votes? Right. Why not stop at 70 votes? Why not need 80 votes to pass any legislation? Why defend a 60-vote filibuster when the Senate already amplifies right. a minority power so that the 50 Democratic senators already represent millions and millions and millions more Americans right. than 50 Republican senators? And so I would argue that 50 Republican senators is already a built-in kind of filibuster-esque firewall. Dumbest thing I've ever heard. Let's take it apart piece by piece. Wow, this is a string of sentences that aren't even interrelated. But let's see, first sentence here, Democrat policies are popular, and once they're enacted, they're very difficult to politically undo. Maybe, but to me, this is revealing because she's letting us know they're looking to make changes that are permanent, that are not the will of the people, but that are based on their party's preference, right? So party over the people, number one, AOC. Let's go on. She doesn't believe in defeatism, saying that if we lose in the future and blah, blah, blah. That's exactly what she's saying. She's saying that, you know, we won't lose in the future because we're going to rig it now, right, by getting rid of the filibuster. How could we lose in the future if we, if we get rid of the filibuster? Then she goes on to try to normalize the filibuster, saying, look, this is an existing rule. It's already in effect. We don't like it anymore because it, it doesn't really help us lately. Uh, it would be easier for us to slam dunk things and be less democratic, not more democratic, but less democratic, small d. If we didn't have this rule, so we want to be less democratic and we want to do that. But then she goes on. Then she says, you know, our job is to do as much as we can. And even if that's, uh, you know, three years instead of zero years, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Get at me at Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Let me know what you think. I think AOC comes across as a social worker that should work at the UN and the climate department. That's masquerading around as a as a Democrat congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. Like you would never think she doesn't sound Bronx and Queens. She never talks about the Bronx and Queens. Well, seldom talks about the Bronx and Queens, I should say. And I just think, you know, every part of this uh, argument that she's made, you know, so what's the difference if it's 60 votes or 70 votes or 80? The point is, it doesn't matter. It's already a rule. Questioning why it's a rule is stupid. I mean, again, simple um 
comparison. You go to work and your boss says, hey, we're going to pay you $500 a week. And you go, what's the difference? Pay me $600 a week or $700 a week or $800 a week. What, what, what difference does it make? Well, clearly it makes difference. And then to say that we're in the minority where they have 50 people in the Senate and some of them are independent and the Republicans have 50 people in the Senate. And somehow the Republicans don't represent millions and millions of people, but the Democrats do. That's the one where I just said, I mean, this girl's either just literally living her life through lenses that just defy reality and reject truth, or she's straight up lying. Or we can call it political rhetoric. But I mean, the whole thing from beginning to end, I'm reading the transcript. It's just so stupid. So to say that this is a built-in kind of filibuster, that there's this built-in debate and and majority uh, vote that's agreed and settled upon at 60 votes, it's just a lie. That may be true if they had 60 in the Senate and they voted in lockstep as a monolith, then she could say, well, we have a kind of built-in filibuster. I would say, all right, you know, I could understand the statement because you have your uh, filibuster proof majority in your vote, but she doesn't have that. They need Kamala Harris like each and every time. So to AOC on this one, I got to say, wow, what a fake phony and fraud you are in the words of the immortal Bob Grant. Big shout out to Bob Grant, RIP. Just so full of it. And this is why we have to stand for things, because if we don't stand up in the face of of this type of nonsense, call it out for what it is, she'll continue to get away with it with people just because they like her personality, shaking her head. The same thing they said about us with Trump, right? They said, oh, he could shoot, you know, somebody in the crowd on Fifth Avenue and everybody be like, oh, yeah, but the guy probably deserved it. Cultism isn't good no matter who's doing it and when you're doing it. If Trump is wrong, he's wrong. AOC is usually wrong and she's usually wrong. So, I mean, we, we just, I think we have to be honest. We can't be driven by personality as much as I love Trump's personality. I love the bravado. I love all of it. I, I love the whole package. I love the rallies. I love that he brought all of that back. You know, old school politics, rallying in an arena. I get it. Uh, I don't ever consider myself a populist. Uh, I think I, I, I kind of view my politics on a... Um, conservative, libertarian perspective that is based and rooted, uh, A, and I guess somewhat of a biblical worldview, and B, the Constitution. But if he wants to be a populist, that's cool. AOC is definitely a populist, right? She gets the most popular opinions that she can get. Healthcare, getting you a job, free this, free that, free everything, and tries to harness that popular opinion and create this populist, leftist revolt. I get it. That's her political strategy, and that's cool. That's why I'm not all for populism all the time, because it resides on both sides. And I think we've got to do what's right, not what's wrong. Not because we're on the right or to the right of the center, but because it's actually the right thing to do. And this is why I always say we have to stand for something, because if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. And the only thing that's ever necessary for evil to triumph is for you and me and anybody else out there, good people to do nothing. And those are paraphrases from Hamilton and from Sir Edmund Burke, also heard by Lord Acton. We've got to step up. We've got to do more. We've got to call this stuff out and help others understand it because if we take a back seat to this, the future will be lost. That's not defeatism. That's reality. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America, I am Rich Valdez with an S. And this is America. This is America.
find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.